Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Well, hey, today is a day we're celebrating the two-year anniversary of Rivers Church. So we're going to have some fun with this today. And what that means is two and a half years ago, we decided let's not just reopen out of the pandemic. Let's relaunch our church. Let's refocus, re-strategize, and let's get clear about who we are. We really want to be a river in the desert. You see, our name comes from a prophetic word that year, 2020, and it's based in Isaiah 43. And John chapter 7, where we want to see rivers flow out of our life. And that river represents the Holy Spirit. We want to see the Holy Spirit on the move in the desert, like Isaiah prophesies. And so today we're celebrating that. We're just celebrating what God has done, but looking ahead to what the more that God has for us. And the more that God has for you. You want more? You want more? God wants to give you more if you're ready. If you're ready and if you're, if you're willing. So here's the prayer I have for us as a church. Today, in light of the two-year anniversary, this is it. Lord, wake us up to a greater desire for obedience. Wake us up to a hunger for holiness. Wake us up to a passion for your presence. Wake us up to a boldness to share the hope we have in you. Wake us up to give everything we have for your kingdom. That's the prayer that I have for us as a church and for all of us here today. And with that, let's go to the text. Revelation chapter 17 And in case you can't notice, we're doing things a bit differently today. Are you ready for the word? You ready to receive this? You ready ready for this? Okay, this will be good. Now, let me just say a couple things before we dive into the word. Yes, we're doing things differently. We're going to have some fun with this. But today's message is going to be a bit mm, serious. Today's message, as we dive into this text, is going to be a bit interesting and maybe even heavy. As we expose Satan and his lies for who he really is. Okay, we're not going to just kind of say, oh, Satan, he's just not a very nice person. Just try to avoid him. You know, we're, we're going to expose Jesus through his word as exposing who he is and what he wants to do. So I'm just saying it now as we go into this. Okay, it's going to get heavy today and it's going to get a bit serious. Is that okay? You ready for this? Okay, good. Here we go. Verse 1, chapter 17. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will allow you, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and the abominations of the earth. 
I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. All right, how's that for a text to dive into here today, right? Okay, here we go. Let's talk about beasts and prostitutes today. <laughs> You're like, whoa, this isn't the like Jesus loves me passage, right? Yeah, this is, this is, but this is the word of God and it's so important for us here today. So throughout Revelation, you see this reference to Babylon. Maybe you've noticed that. What is Babylon? Well, Babylon's a theme throughout scripture. You can go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, the Tower of Babel. It connects to that. It connects to the ancient kingdom of Babylon. The readers in the first century that are reading this originally, because John is having this vision. Jesus has given John a vision. And it's a prophetic letter that he's to send to the churches in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And he has, you know, starts off seven specific messages for them, but then we go, he goes on to what's going to come later on. But as they would have read this in the first century, they would have clearly seen that Babylon to them was the Roman Empire. So it represents the Roman Empire, but really Babylon represents the kingdom of this world. That's what Babylon represents all throughout Scripture. It represents human pride and rebellion against God. It's man saying, God, we don't need you. I'm fine without you. I'll just kind of do my own thing. Uh, I can figure this out on my own, on my own strength, or I'm going to, this is my religion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after this God. I'm going to worship this. And so it's, it's all of those things. Any worldview, any religion, anybody that says, I don't need God. It's human pride and rebellion against God. That is what Babylon is. And Babylon here is represented by the woman or the prostitute. Verse 5, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes. So the kingdom of this world is really called, in God's word, a prostitute. Verse 2, kings committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. This is crazy imagery, isn't it? I think the imagery here is, is meant to cause us to feel something. As with a lot of the imagery in Revelations, lots of imagery, there's lots of language in there that is just weird, it's different, and it, it feels uh, ugly and impure and all that, and, and, and it can even cause us to kind of shake a little bit, but I think it's meant to cause us to feel something. And what I believe God wants us to feel is just how evil Satan's kingdom is. Because when we talk about the kingdom of this world, that's what we're talking about. It's Satan's kingdom. He is called the ruler of this world. There are two kingdoms that you and I can be a part of. The kingdom of heaven, which is Jesus' kingdom, or the kingdom of this world, and that's Satan's kingdom. That's the choice we have. Those are the only two options. This is why a lot of people don't like Christianity and Jesus. They're like, well, you think that Jesus is the only way. And when you really study Jesus and look into his life and his teachings and all that he did, and the fact that he died and rose again, all of that, you're like, I, I kind of trust the guy. Like, who he was, what he did, it all makes sense and I'm just thanking God that there is a way, not that there's only one way, but that there is a way to know the creator of all things and have relationship with him. That's my posture. So a lot of people would say, well, I don't, I don't worship Satan. Like, I'm not a Satan worshiper. There's a lot of people that would say, I don't even believe in God. I don't believe in Satan and all this kind of stuff. But here's the deal. Whatever religion that doesn't, or worldview that doesn't declare Jesus is Lord is a part of the kingdom of this world. Therefore, it is a part of Satan's kingdom. 
because it is rebelling against God. I told you we're getting serious here today, okay? Is this, here we go, okay? So this is gonna help a bunch of us here today because God's gonna speak some cool things through this word. So there's two kingdoms, and what happens is the kingdom of this world is like a prostitute. It lures people away. It's the seductress calling, come, I got, I got so much pleasure for you. Oh, you don't need God. You don't need to trust in him. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want what's best for you. And so we go after, we're intoxicated by the things of the world. We're intoxicated by this pleasure that's only momentary. It doesn't last. And in the end, it makes us feel even worse and shameful and dirty. And so we go after things like money and popularity and fame and all this kind of stuff. And we think this is going to satisfy. This is what I need. But it's all going after the prostitute. We've been seduced by the prostitute. The crazy thing is, is that Satan is doing a really good job of it. A lot of people are seduced into his kingdom and they don't even realize it. I think there's two reasons for that. The first one would be this. Most people don't even know they're in a battle. And so I don't even know this is going on. I'm, I'm, I'm unaware of this. And a lot of people would even say, I don't even believe in the battle. And then there's the other category of, I know about the battle, but we forget we're in a battle. And this is where some of us can find ourselves if we're not careful because the seductress can lure us away, can lure us asleep. We can give in to the prostitute, all the things that this world seemingly offers to us. And we've been lured asleep and we forgot that we are in a fight. And this happens to way too many of us. Do you know how easy it is to win a battle when one party doesn't know they're fighting? <laughs> it's no contest. Like, I'll never, for, I'll never forget when I was jumped by a gang once, back in the day, years ago. I don't have a lot of time to go into the story, but I'm just hanging out with my buddy Brian, and just hanging, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm on the ground. These guys, have, they're, they're, they're hitting me, and all I can remember is like tr crawling on the ground, trying to escape from my life to get to my car. And it's pretty safe to say I lost that battle. The reason is because I didn't know I was in a battle. I'm just hanging out with my buddy. All of a sudden, I'm jumped by a bunch of people. And this is what's happening to way too many people. Either they don't know or they have forgot they're in a battle. And the, the enemy can win easily every time because of either one of those reasons. We can't forget, guys. We are in a battle. Revelation continues to show this us, to, to us over and over and over and over again. There is a battle for your soul, for where you're going to spend eternity, for you experiencing the life, the hope, and the joy that Jesus has now and forevermore. There's a battle going on for you and for me. We got to make sure that we don't fall asleep in the battle. And so it kind of reminds me of, of what Jesus said to Sardis back in Revelation 3. Let's go there, actually. We looked at this last year, season one, a year ago, last fall. And this was the message that Jesus said to the church in Sardis. Verse one, the second half there of chapter three. I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. All throughout the New Testament, you, you read this as you read through the New Testament, you look and see how many times were 
commanded, exhorted, encouraged to do something in light of Jesus is coming back. And you find out it is shocking. So many times. Hey, let's do this because don't forget, he's coming back. And so Jesus is even saying this to the church in Sardis. Hey, wake up. Otherwise, you're going to miss me because I'm coming like a thief and you got to be ready for when I come. And so I'm praying, God, let us be ready. Let us be ready for when you come. Let us not fall asleep. Let us not give in to the seductress and be lured asleep and go after, and then all of a sudden, what, what, what? I missed it. Because not only would we miss out on the return of Christ, but we would miss out on all that he has for us today. Because we're selling ourselves out to a prostitute that offers us nothing but pain and brokenness and hurt and despair and just this feeling of, I don't even matter. I'm not even valuable. But the enemy wants us to feel that way, by the way. He wants us to be stuck in that place where we think that about ourselves. So I think the message to many of us is this. Wake up. Come on, let's say that right now. Say, wake up. Yeah, that's good. I like the energy in that. Come on, I want to wake up. Okay. And so Jesus says, remember what you have heard. Remember what you've heard and obey it. That's what he said to the church in Sardis there. I, one of our big prayers is that we would be people who don't just hear the word, who don't just listen, don't just read the word, but we obey it. We walk in obedience to what God is speaking to us. You read the word this week, make sure you obey it. Today, as you receive the word today, let's obey this because we can't walk in the power of God if we don't walk in obedience to God. We miss out on the power of God when we walk in disobedience, friends. So think about this. Like we could worship Jesus with all our heart today. Sing loudly. Could even move around and dance a little bit. Raise our hands. We could pray till our eyes are bloodshot. And then if we walk out of here and live life in disobedience all week long, we're going to miss out on all that Jesus has for us. And so this is not about earning it, by the way, guys. This is about you, you and I stepping into it and experiencing all that he has for it. He's got his presence and his power for you every single day. So it's important that you and I just walk in it. That's what this is about. So it's about walking in obedience. And so I pray that we would love Jesus so much that we just walk in obedience to him so that you and I can experience his power and his presence every single day. Hey, friends, we're in a battle. Don't fall asleep. We got to make sure that we wake up. And so this is the prayer for us today. The prayer is this, Lord, wake us up to a greater desire for obedience. Wake us up to a hunger for holiness. Wake us up to a passion for your presence. Wake us up to a boldness to share the hope we have in you. Wake us up to give everything we have for your kingdom. I pray that God would ignite that inside of us today. Jump to verse 12 there in Revelation 17. Let's keep cruising through these few chapters here. The 10 horns you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who, have, uh, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And with him, get this, what, look at this, will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Man, I pray that describes you and me. Called, chosen, 
and faithful followers. This seems to be jumping to that very end of the seven-year tribulation, the final battle of Armageddon where the, the kingdom of this world has gathered to fight against really Jesus and his people, us, his followers. And so it's jumping ahead head to that right there. This is the battle of Armageddon. And what we see is that the battle of Armageddon isn't much of a battle, actually. It's kind of over like that. It's epic in that, like, you got this vast army that appears to have just gathered in this mountain of Megiddo, like we talked about, that whole area and that valley there. And it's going to be epic in, in scale, but as far as the length of the battle, just like that. Because Jesus, the Lamb, is the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. There is no equal to him. Nobody can stand against him. And so when he speaks his word, and as we'll read later in Revelation 19, like the sword comes out of his mouth. It's like, it's done. It's over just like that. Hmm. Jump to verse 18. Verse 1. Or sorry, chapter 18, verse 1. Uh, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. How's that for scripture to read on Halloween weekend, huh? (laughs) I'm reading that this week and going, that's that's good timing. Okay. Talk about haunts. And haunting, evil spirits, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's why we got to be careful with this Halloween thing, guys. Halloween is the one time of the year that we seem to, like, celebrate evil. And celebrate all that is a part of Satan's kingdom and all that. We don't want to celebrate that. We want to glorify Jesus. And however you participate and do things in that, we just got to be careful. Careful. Because evil is real. And Satan's kingdom is real. And we're in a battle. And so we got to just got to remember that. Okay, keep reading on. Uh, verse three: For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The king of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, "Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues." Again, you see this the 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 heart of. God right there. This loving heart of God calling his people, come, come to me. I don't want you to experience the wrath and the judgment and the plagues. Come to me. I got something better because what's about to happen is going to be bad. And evil is going to get judged. The prostitute is about to fall. So Babylon the Great there is is the verbiage, and that really represents that final one world government that seems to come together in the seven-year tribulation at the end of all times. And here's what we do know. There will be a tribulation. It will happen. In season two, we looked at the Russian invasion of Ukraine because a lot of people are talking like, does this connect to prophetic events? What's going on? People are getting scared, all this. There's a lot of people that think the Antichrist will come from Russia. And it's possible. When you study scripture, it's, it could be because that could represent the lineage of where the Antichrist seems to come from, biblically. But we don't know that for certain. It could be Turkey. It could be somewhere in between Turkey and, and, and Russia. So it's, but it is it's possible. But because we're seeing war on a scale that we haven't seen in a long time, people are alarmed. Like, what's going on? Okay, this is the end of the world. 
Our president even used the word Armageddon a couple months ago. So he threw out the word Armageddon talking about this threat of nuclear warfare. And so like the world's thinking like end of the world, like, whoa, this is crazy. What is going on here? And so here's what I think is going on. It seems to be birth pains that Jesus talked about. So is this the end of the world? I don't, it may not be. It may be getting close. And Jesus said, you know, in the end, you're going to hear wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, all that kind of stuff. And just so you know, when you hear that, see that, it's not the end yet. It's just birth pains showing you that the end is near. So we could be in the middle of birth pains right now. Who knows if this is going to die down and this, nothing's going to happen because of this. It's going on. It's possible. Or things could continue to escalate to biblical proportions. And here's what I said in season two last spring. I said these words. I went back because I want to get verbatim. If Russia teams up with Turkey and Syria, then we'll know that something is about to happen in accordance to biblical prophecy. And then I read the news this summer while I was gone on, on sabbatical. And wouldn't you know, look at this picture right here. Russia teams up with Turkey, meeting with the Turkish president and the Iranian president, and they meet in Syria, trying to form a coalition, trying to buddy up. And I looked at that and I said, oh, dear God. Okay, this is... These are the types of things that the Bible explicitly talks about. It's super close to exactly what the Bible says. And so if this continues to move forward, you, you, you look and you see, okay, that's in Scripture. Who knows? It might be the beginning of this, beginning to all come to shape and fruition. But here's the point of all that. Be ready. That's the point, okay? Try not to get caught up in all the fear. Like, oh, no, no, look at this. You know, and, this, and you don't need to... To, to post, like, it's the end of the world, look at all this going on. Just, what we need to do is, is be faithful to Jesus and bring people to Jesus and say, just be ready. I don't know how it's all going to play out. So let's just be ready. Let's look to, to Jesus. <laughs> and I think it's important for us to say this as we come towards the end of our Revelation series, especially as things next week begin to really shift. This is kind of the end of the, like, the craziness of the beast and the dragon and the wars, Armageddon. We're getting ready to go into the wedding feast or the wedding supper of the Lamb today, which is super cool. But let me say this. In light of voting season and all that kind of stuff, when the tribulation begins, it does not matter what political party has control of the United States because what's going to happen is going to happen, guys. It's like there's nothing stopping it. It's in God's word. And so all the stuff is going to happen as God allows it and God declares it, okay? And it's already declared and it's all when it's, when it's going to happen, okay? So it doesn't matter if our country in that moment is leaning more conservative or liberal or wherever it's at, all this kind of stuff, all right? So I will say this. If you feel called to be in politics, you just love being involved in that and you want to make good laws and policies that, that line up with the Bible, I say, awesome, we bless you in that. You do that, but please understand this for all of us. All of us need to make sure we're fighting the battle for God's kingdom. His kingdom is the only kingdom that rules and reigns forever. The Watch out, because number one, you're hindering your witness to bring people into Jesus' kingdom. Because then they get all confused. Like, oh, I guess I can't be a Christian because I don't agree with you politically. Our politics can hinder our witness. And so politics are important. They're good. Okay, but let's not allow them to hinder our witness because the most important thing is not who is the next president, but the most important thing is who am I taking with me to heaven? 
And so let's fight the battle for the kingdom of Jesus. Politics won't save people. Laws won't save people, but Jesus will. The United States is not going to save people, but Jesus will. So hear my heart in all this. This is important that we raise the banner of Jesus higher than anything else in our life, friends. And don't let anything hinder your witness for Jesus and his kingdom. Here's the prayer, guys. Lord, wake us up to a greater desire for obedience. Wake us up to a hunger for holiness. Wake us up to a passion for your presence. Wake us up to a boldness to share the hope we have in you. Wake us up to give everything we have for your kingdom. 19, chapter 19. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of great, uh, a great multitude in heaven shouting. Here it is. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Jumped to verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Can I just pause and say, when we go back into singing in a little bit here again, come on, just sing with all you got. Like, why don't we rival what we read in Revelation 19? Come on, let's just like let the place shake because you're worshiping Jesus so loud. I just love reading that. Verse 7 um, I already read, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Jesus is coming back. We've said that a hundred million times in this series because that's what Revelation continues to tell us, right? Even all of New Testament says Jesus is coming back. He is the groom coming back for his bride. And when he does, friends, there's gonna be a big celebration. Like we're gonna celebrate with cupcakes at the end of the service here today. That's gonna be nothing compared to the Feast of the Lamb at the end. of Like, we're going to begin eternity with a feast that is going to be better than any feast, any Thanksgiving meal you've ever had in your entire life. Maybe you've had some good meals with friends, reunions with family members and friends. You're like, this is the life. This is a great celebration. Maybe you had some great Thanksgiving meals. This is going to be the greatest celebration, the greatest reunion ever in the history of mankind as we all gather at the table with Jesus for his final, for his, well, it's the beginning of the end, really, for his, what starts out eternity with the meal. And here's the good news. Everyone's invited to his table. Everyone's invited to his table. God wants you to be at that table celebrating with him. Oh, friends, what a celebration that will be. How incredible and glorious it will be. Everything you've gone through, it won't matter. Everything you've experienced, it's going to be complete joy, celebration for all eternity. Beginning with some good food. How does that sound, huh? I just love how God thinks. 
You know, we're, in a few moments, we're going to do communion together. We oftentimes call communion the Lord's table. And so we're going to do the Lord's table. We're going to come to the Lord's table today all uh, together. And what we do as we celebrate that is we're not just remembering what Jesus did for us in the past, but Jesus said, do this. And now he was hanging out with his friends, the disciples, and they're at a meal. They're eating food. And he instituted this thing that we call communion now, or the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. There's many things we call it, breaking of bread, all of that. And he instituted this around a meal, and he said, do this to remember what I'm about ready to do for you tomorrow, and keep doing it until I come back. And so communion reminds us Jesus paid for it all on the cross. He set me free by what he did for me on the cross. And it also reminds me he's coming back. Because we're going to keep doing this as a reminder that Jesus is coming back. And we're going to begin with an incredible feast. And I can't wait to eat that food. So Jesus is coming back for his bride. That's us. That's the church. It's his, his followers. It's a theme all throughout the Bible, by the way. That we are his people. We're his bride. He's, he's calling us to him. And he's going to come back. We're going to be joined with him together forever. And it really culminates in this moment. The the celebration of the feast of the wedding there. Now, I've been to lots of weddings, been able to perform lots of weddings. And in fact, actually, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Doug and Lisa. They got married, and I got some pictures of them. I don't know what, they're usually sitting right here. I don't know where they went, but, oh, he's in the back right there. Uh, and so, congratulations, guys. We just are so excited for you, and you can see that they looked beautiful and good, just a good-looking couple there. And it was a good celebration with good food. It was fun. So out of all the weddings I've ever been to, I've never seen this. You probably haven't either. I've never seen the bride walk in with this ratted-up, ripped-up dress that's old and nasty. It's got holes all over it. Her hair is just unkempt and knots everywhere. And she smells like she hasn't taken a shower for months. I've never seen that happen in a wedding, have you? Why? Because that's an important moment where the bride has readied herself for that moment. And there's a calling that Jesus has for you and I to ready ourselves. Prepare yourself because that moment's going to come. And it will be the biggest deal ever in your life. That you and I are a part of that ceremony and that celebration. We've got to ready ourselves for that moment. You know, the Bible talks about this a lot. Like I said, Paul even says this. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Jesus is coming back for his bride. But he's coming back for a pure bride. He's coming back for a bride who hasn't given into the prostitute. And the prostitute's been this theme as we've seen throughout Revelation 17, 18, and 19. And what we see is Jesus is calling us to be faithful and devoted to him, to be pure in our commitment to him. That's the call. Don't give in to the prostitute. Don't give in to the seductress. It's not worth it. You know, there's one principle in every relationship that I think everybody agrees on. 
doesn't matter what your worldview is, your religion is, what your stance on any relationships is, but here's one principle everybody agrees on. Don't cheat. Everybody agrees with that, regardless of how they view relationships, right? Don't cheat. Why? It brings lots of pain and hurt, division and heartache and drama. Don't cheat. Remember this pastor told this story in this meeting I was in, and he said he went to Alaska once, and he had a, had a fun trip in Alaska, came home, and his wife was going through the visa bill, and she noticed in Alaska a charge to the happy hooker. And she got all upset. She's like, uh-oh. She's scared. She's upset. And she's like, she went to her husband. She's like, you better explain this right now. What did you do in Alaska? And he's like, oh, oh sorry. Remember, remember? I said my car broke down. I had to call the, the, the tow truck, and the tow truck was called the Happy Hooker. That was that expense right there. True story. Happy Hooker. Great name for a tow, tow company. Bad name to see on your visa bill. <laughs> but if that was true, if he did hook up with the Happy Hooker, there would have been some... Major drama in that marriage, right? Because you don't cheat. You don't be unfaithful. You don't, you don't give in to the ways of the prostitute. If I looked at Amy and I said, hey, Amy, love you so much. Here's the good news. I've been faithful to you this last year. About 90 to 95% of the time. That's how much I love you. And she'd be like, uh, okay, come, come again? Like, like, if you know Amy, you'd be like, okay, it's on right there in that moment. Like, okay, I'm like, oh, so, like, don't worry about the 5%. It's nothing. It's nobody. Oh, yeah, it's a big deal because it's, it's like you walking out of here, big deal. That's what it is. Because that's not commitment. Jesus is calling us to be all in with him, fully devoted, pure in our devotion, our commitment to him. This is why Paul wrote to his, his spiritual son, his young protege, Titus. Get this. Listen to this and see if this doesn't line up with Revelation. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Jesus gave everything. He went all in for you and I. He's fully committed to us. And he went to the cross to redeem us, to make us holy and clean and pure. And I'm thankful that by his grace, we are holy and clean and pure. But in that grace, let's, uh, we want to walk in the empowerment of that grace. By his spirit, he will, he will help you to walk in obedience his grace teaches you something. It doesn't teach you to say, hey, do whatever you want. Sin, it's okay. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace, true grace from God as we walk in it, we receive and experience it, teaches us to say no to ungodliness because we realize, I don't want that. That's just filth. That has, there's no power in that. I want Jesus and all that he has for me. What he has for me is way better. But so often we're lured away by the prostitute. Oh, this is better. This is better. Please hear me in this. This is not about you and I earning it. This is you and I walking in grace. 
and allowing his grace to empower us to be the people of God he's called us to be. This is not about a performance thing. This is about you and I accepting God's grace right where we're at and saying, okay, God, teach me, help me, empower me, because I want to walk in obedience and experience all that you have for me, and he will help you. See, he's not going to ask you to do anything he won't empower you to do. He's not going to ask you to be or call you to be anything he won't empower you to be. That's why Peter said, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. You have, by the Holy Spirit, alive and at work in you everything you need for a godly life. And friends, holiness and purity is not popular in this culture today, but I pray we would not go after what's popular in the kingdom of this world. I pray that our values and our principles and our life would line up with the kingdom of God and that we would have a hunger for purity and a hunger for holiness so that we can experience all that he has for us because purity allows us to experience God's best. Holiness allows us to experience God's best. It keeps us close to him and ready for what he has for us and for when he returns. Oh, friends. In a little bit, we're gonna see the, the rider coming on the white horse from the clouds. Last week, we looked at the man in the clouds, crown on his head, sickle in his hand. Last week was a lot of fun. Well, apparently he jumps off that cloud onto another cloud with a horse and he's coming down here in a few minutes. We're gonna look at that. But again, Jesus is coming back, friends. And Revelation reminds us our faith is not just rooted in the past, in the cross. Our faith is rooted in, in the future hope that Jesus is coming back. So I pray that it motivates you and I to do two things. Evangelize and endure. Just like last week, evangelize and endure. And we just want to see more people's lives changed because of our witness for Jesus. And because our church exists, I pray that more people's lives would be changed. Don't you? And it all relies upon you and I having a hunger for holiness, passion for his presence, being faithful and true to Jesus, committed to him. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.